Welcome to the Ridley College podcast. Here you'll find expert content from past Ridley events, including our public lectures, a series of scholarly lectures in biblical studies and Christian thought. Tune in to hear from leading voices on the New Testament, children's and youth ministry, evangelicalism, Anglicanism, missiology, and much more. This is a special podcast interview exclusive to Ridley College. We thank you for your continuous support and hope to bring you more content like this in the future. It's so wonderful that uh, for this Ridley podcast, we have David First Roberts, who's joining us this morning for a conversation. David is presenting uh, next week our annual Charles Perry Lecture on evangelical history, and his topic will be Sir Menzies, his evangelical formation, uh, based on his own research in the book God and Menzies. So, David, welcome so welcome so generously to this podcast this morning. Delighted to be with you, Reese, and thank you for the opportunity. Oh, good on you. Uh, David, tell us a little bit about your own academic journey and your present career. Yes, certainly. So um, for the past um, six years or so, I've been working as a research fellow for the Menzies Research Centre, part of whose aim is to um, sort of uh, celebrate and cherish the uh, legacy of Sir Robert Menzies, um, Australia's longest serving Prime Minister and founder of the uh, Liberal Party of Australia. Uh, prior to that, I um, undertook a uh, PhD um, in Victorian era British history, hmm. and I focused on the um, evangelical social reformer and parliamentarian Lord Shaftesbury, who was famous for um, abolishing child labour in Britain's mines and factories and humanising the factory system for all workers and for um, other social reforms in the area of lunacy and uh, mental health Mm. and um, really sort of uh, improving the uh, quality of life for so many who uh, lived in difficult conditions in uh, Victorian England. So what what took you to that topic? What were, did you know much about Lord Shaftesbury? Was it your concerns for social justice that asks you uh, to inquire further? Yes, uh, that's a great question, Reese. Many years earlier, I'd read a wonderful little biography of Lord Shaftesbury by John Pollock. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, popular sort of English writer and a. Uh, Church of England vicar, I think. Mm. And he wrote this wonderful, uh, heartwarming biography of Lord Shaftesbury, which uh, really inspired me. And um, years later, when I thought about um, settling on a topic for my uh, PhD studies, I remembered this uh, wonderful story of Lord Shaftesbury and thought, Mm. His story, you know, merits um, deeper study and uh, investigation. So I sort of framed a PhD around the um, hypothesis of um, digging deeper into his uh, Christian faith and how that shaped his um, approach to social reform and how it inspired him 
to uh, achieve what he did for the factory children and um, the poor in Victorian England. Yeah, sure. How wonderful. And that might have inspired you in other research areas. So was your research in late 19th century England a template for the way you've approached other periods or other personalities like Menzies? Yes, for sure, Reese. So um, having done my uh, PhD on Shaftesbury, um, which incidentally is now a book as well, uh, entitled uh, The Making of a uh, Tory Evangelical, uh, published by uh, Pickwick Publications or an imprint of Whip and Stock from the United mm-hmm. States. Yes, sure, sure. Um, I uh, appreciated how uh, important faith and uh, religious beliefs are to uh, shaping a person's worldview and a person's approach mm. to work and really the whole spirit of their vocation. And so uh, with that in mind, I uh, thought that uh, a study of Menzies merited a similar investigation to that of uh, Shaftesbury. And one of the things that um, I guess piqued my interest in this was um, researching Menzies' um, papers in the National Library there in Canberra. Uh, From reading his transcripts, I just came across so many um, allusions to scripture. He would um, quote a lot from the Bible. He would use a lot of biblical aphorisms and sayings. And I thought, um, there's something really behind this. His Christian worldview was very strong on all sorts of things, from his uh, approach to education and his uh, view of communism, for example. And, and so, I beg your pardon, continue. Yes, I thought that um, his uh, the Christian worldview that informed his uh, politics was well worth investigating further. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's amazing how deeply uh, Christian faith, Christian values, is rooted in many of our in many of our public figures. The his his materials are all in the National Library. Is that right? Yes. So they have the um, papers of Sir Robert Menzies, and I think there's about two hundred and eighty boxes of them. My word. So um, it includes um, a lot of the uh, transcripts of his speeches over his long public career, really, from the uh, late 1920s, from when he was a uh, Victorian Member of Parliament, to um, his retirement uh, right up until his um, death in the 1970s. Yeah, sure. Uh, There were lots of scriptural references that surprised you. Was there anything else that, as you searched archives, you were surprised by? Archival work is not greatly thanked, right? It's hard yards finding material that you might or might not work with. Were there other things that you were pleasantly surprised by in in that laborious task? Yes, I was because... um... We very much live in an age today where um, discussion about 
faith and Christianity especially uh, seems to be somewhat guarded. Um, hmm. People seem to be afraid of uh, talking about it too openly in public space because of its uh, contested nature and uh, hmm. it's controversial. And, um, yeah, so uh, I found it very um, refreshing, I suppose, to... Uh, see how openly um, Menzies was able to uh, make references to the Bible and to God. And um, it was something that uh, really uh, pleasantly surprised me. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it bears remembering that he was also in a different uh, historical context when um, the proportion of Australians who identified as Christians was well over. 85% in wow. the national censuses over that period. And where um, Christian uh, voices in the public sphere had much more of a hearing, you have sermons that were printed in the major newspapers like mm. the Herald mm. and the Age. Mm. And um, Christianity was just much more a part of um Australia's cultural milieu in those uh, post-war decades of the fifties. Mm. Mm. And your work uh, day by day is in the New South Wales Parliament. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So I work as an electorate officer to a um, state member of Parliament, and um, in terms of my day-to-day -day duties, that involves um, what you might call general electorate office duties of um, responding to constituents, hmm. um, emails and phone calls, uh, drafting representations um, to the government on behalf of uh, constituents who would like um, a problem solved or hmm. some resolution. And it also involves a bit of um, research and speech writing for my local member as well. Mm, sure. Uh your work with the Menzies, uh, is it Institute or Menzies Foundation? It's officially called the Menzies Research Centre. Yes, I see. Sure, also sure. also another organisation similar to it called the Robert Menzies Institute, which um, is a Melbourne-based uh, organisation founded only a couple of years ago. Oh, I see. Right. I didn't realise there was a distinction. Yeah. So the Menzies Research Centre is more of a general think tank on the political centre right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. where is where is that housed? Is that is that housed in a university or is housed independently? So it's housed independently. It has an office there in Sydney. Mm -hmm. yeah, Sydney. yeah, sure. And then yeah. the Robert Menzies Institute operates out of the University of Melbourne down here. Yes, I see. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. And and what what does it do, the Melbourne Institute? Yeah, so the Robert Menzies Institute, known as the RMI, mm. more specifically um, dedicated to um, celebrating the historical legacy of Sir Robert Menzies. So it has its own library and it has a miniature museum. Oh, I see. Which showcases the, um, all of the, uh, the books of Sir Robert Menzies and the, um, some of his... Um, major possessions and uh, 
artifacts and things. Sure. And uh, that centre is headed up by um, Georgina Downer, uh, sure. who does a wonderful job to uh, celebrate and um, conserve the legacy of Sir Robert, but also to uh, make it relevant to the present day. Yes, of course. So well, I'm, gl- I'm glad I asked the question. I didn't realise there were two distinct organisations and I've been uh, swapping the words, applying them indiscriminately to both. So that's that's a really helpful clarification, David. Thank you. Um, what are other interests you have academically? Are you working on any other writing projects at the moment? Well, um, obviously this lecture coming up uh, next week, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, periodically, I write um, articles for some publications like mm. uh, Quadrant and um, ABC Religion and Ethics. Um, I mean, I guess some of these are offcuts of my major research projects. Yes, of course. Are also um, articles of interest on contemporary issues from a Christian perspective. Or yeah, terrific, terrific. Conservative uh, perspective. So it's not that the uh, that you're investigating another political leader and their and their social conscience or their their social worldview that's not in the wings. Or can we encourage you to think about doing something like that? Well, I have produced books of speeches um, hmm. by. Um, Prime Ministers and leaders of the Liberal Party um, in my role there as um, research fellow at the Mindy's Research Centre, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Liberal Party think tank. And, yeah, so I um, released a uh, book of um, Howard's speeches in 2018 called Howard, the Art of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then in uh, 2020, um, I released a similar book on Tony Abbott's speeches, um, which I co-authored with Paul Ritchie, who was um, also a speechwriter to Tony Abbott himself. Mm-hmm. And with those two publications, I very much got um, an insight into the worldview of those two leaders. Yeah, of course, of course. And for each of them, uh, again, Christian faith was not insignificant. So John mm-hmm. Howard um, himself was... Uh, brought up and raised as a Methodist, um, which is a, uh, a tradition that's sadly extinct in Australia now. Mm-hmm. Um, it lives on in some conservative sections of the United Church and also perhaps through the Salvation Army and mm. also through um, evangelical Anglicanism. Mm. And really. some some brands of Pentecostalism might draw on Indeed, yes. thinking as well. Yes, well, a lot of uh, yesterday's Methodists would be today's Pentecostals. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was very uh, influential in shaping John Howard's uh, worldview, his mm-hmm. uh, belief in uh, individual um, moral uh, conduct and mm-hmm. personal responsibility and the importance of family mm. and also religious faith to a flourishing society and then you had um, Tony Abbott who was educated by the Jesuits he attended um, St Ignatius School in Sydney and 
he was very much shaped by um, the Roman Catholic uh, tradition and the uh, Catholic social teaching mm. um, by his mentors, uh, Father Costello at the um, Riverview and also by uh, the late uh, Bob Santa Maria, who was mm. a uh, well-known Catholic activist in Australia. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And and Australia isn't known for its fine political rhetoric. Uh, so did you notice anything in their speech writing other than the the Christian background to their formation? Uh, are there other things you notice about how they how they made speeches, how they compiled speeches, how they delivered speeches? Yes, I mean, they had their own distinctive styles. Um, and going back to Menzies, he uh, did not uh, entertain the idea of having a speechwriter. Is that right? Is that right? Yes. yes. So he wrote his own speeches? Yes. Yes, and a lot of them uh, he sort of uh, delivered uh, extemporaneously. Hmm, interesting. Or sometimes he wrote notes and he would then... Um, read them out and then with John Howard he said that he didn't like to read his speeches word for word from a lectern so he would think about what he wanted to say and then he would write down some dot points and he would remember the dot points and then he would uh, draw on those as he gave his speech and then Tony Abbott had a background in journalism. He used to uh, be a columnist for what was then the Bulletin, mm-hmm. um, which is no longer in circulation. And so he honed his writing skills through uh, journalism and um, he brought that uh, rhetorical flair to his um, mm. speeches as Prime Minister. Mm, interesting. Yeah, great. And in all these matters, but particularly for our concerns, your book, God and Menzies, Investigating Menzies' Evangelical Background Formation, are there lessons that we can raise for today's political debate? We don't want to be too facile in reading off his context and mapping onto ours simplistically. But nonetheless, are there kinds of things that Menzies did that you think, oh, I wish we could do that today, or I wish uh, our politicians would understand something of that insight? Yes, certainly. Um, I think one thing that has changed immensely since Menzies' time has been the um, advent of the 24-hour news cycle. Yes, of course. Also, um, social media, of course, uh, which is something that um, has emerged even since John Howard's time as Prime Minister. Mm, mm. I suppose John Howard was probably our last um, pre-social media Prime Minister. Mm. And so that's meant that the way that uh, politicians and Prime Ministers and MPs um, convey their messages is somewhat different. It's now become a lot more short form. Mm. It's now sort of done in short sound bites that mm. lend themselves to tweets or to um, social media posts. And so um, 
that's sort of how a lot of the Australian public um, glean their uh, knowledge from the media. They um, mm. still read some of the old broadsheets like the Herald and the Australian, but increasingly they get their news from more diverse sources like Twitter, now X, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, TikTok, and um, all these other social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's meant the messaging has changed. Um, obviously, there have been benefits. It's been able to um, ensure that um, the messages of uh, leaders can come across more readily yes. and more instantly. But at the same time, I think something's been lost as well. I think the art of uh, longer-form persuasion and uh, being able to really... Um, speak more deeply from the heart mm, interesting yes things are not compromised and, uh, is perhaps more difficult uh, in today's media climate than in times past mm-hmm. yes we are often in reaction to something provocative that's in a few words rather than engaging with someone's mind from a beginning of a piece to the end of a piece. So I continue to encourage students to read whole books and not just to read the parts of books that might be most relevant for the piece of writing they're doing because tracking with someone's mind from their first expression of an argument to the end is it makes our minds supple and makes our minds a little bit more flexible and you see lots more context, don't you? And, uh, it, it encourages our depth, not only recognising the author's depths. David, uh, we're so thankful to you that you've been uh, refining your material for our presentation next week, uh, which is on God and Menzies and evangelical history in Melbourne with a focus, but not entirely, of course. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you then. And in the meantime, every blessing as you finish your preparation. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Reese. It was my delight to join you this morning. Thank you for listening to the Ridley College podcast, brought to you by Ridley College. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and liking our podcast. Also, be sure to check out our Ridley Chapel Sermons podcast through the link in our podcast description. This podcast is made possible through the generous donations of our alumni and supporters. We welcome your partnership with us in our mission of equipping men and women for God's mission in our rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. If you'd like to contribute to our work, you can donate via the link in the description below.